Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mouse and More podcast. This is Tony, and tonight I am joined by Rachel and Adam. How's it going, guys? Hey, Tony. Hi, Tony. Howdy. How's everybody doing? The ragweed has the... <laughs> a little congested. Otherwise, I'm doing pretty good. Excellent. Y'all have nope. ragweed in North the northern states? I think Not so. Not at this time of year. No? It's all pumpkin spice around here right now. <laughs> oh, the... the it is bad down here, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> but anyway, I think we do, and maybe it's just earlier on, earlier. Yeah, maybe. With with my with the size of my nose, it usually bothers me, and it hasn't bothered me yet. So, so it can't be that bad. But uh, tonight's show, it's a it's a skeleton group crew. We've got people off training. We've got people uh, preparing to go training. I, I think Liza is avoiding Hurricane Number Seventeen, uh, so she is off in some secret location. Rachel, Adam, and I are here to answer some listener questions. So earlier this week, Adam did put a uh, message on the group page asking for questions. So uh, we thought we would use your input to help us get through this show. And uh, let's get right to it with a question from Kristen Cassidy. And that is, what does your ideal day in the parks look like? And since we are both gentlemen, we will let Rachel have first crack at this. Okay, so here's my question. Do I have a park hopper? Or is are we COVID times or are we non-COVID times? You know I have to have caveats. It is your ideal day, so it can be anything. <laughs> yeah, so okay. if you want to have COVID in your ideal day, go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I don't want COVID in my ideal day. My ideal day starts with me waking up in the morning at Animal Kingdom Lodge with a balcony overlooking the savannah. And I have breakfast room service and I sit out there and I observe the animals eating their breakfast while I eat my breakfast. And then I, since I'm, oh, but I'm not at real early cause I sleep in, I'd rather close down the parks. So then after I eat that yummy breakfast and enjoy my animals, I'm probably going to head to Epcot and go... now, now let me, let me ask you a question about your breakfast. Okay. Do you, do you think that while you're watching the animals eat their breakfast and you're eating yours, are the animals watching you just as intently eat your breakfast? I don't think so, because I've never noticed them to pay attention to me. Do you think they notice us in our balcony? Maybe you're putting on a show for them. Ooh. Well, maybe. But I, I can't eat animal foods when I'm watching the animal. Like, so... I don't eat food that comes from an animal when I'm out there on the balcony because I have a hard time with that. <laughs> so you think it's disrespectful to to eat a cheeseburger in front of a cow? Yes, I do. I think that's wrong. Um, okay. I think that's very <laughs> wrong. I, I guess you haven't you had you haven't had seafood at the coral reef at the seas. I guess, huh? You know what? I did eat there, but I can't remember what I ate. Mm. But like when if you walk into a seafood restaurant and there are the lobsters, I feel so guilty if I look at them. So I had to walk really quickly and not look at the lobsters. <laughs> so it just bothers me. I know that's weird. And I grew up, I mean, in the country, you know, where everybody raised cows and chickens. But um, yeah. Uh, so anywho, um, I, I, I'm still a child and I like pancakes and waffles. So I would eat probably some pancakes and some waffles, maybe some breakfast potatoes. And um, then I'd get around and head to Epcot. And I love just to walk around the countries and enjoy the live entertainment. I'm big on, you know, the live musicians as well as the entertainers in France. So I would do that 
Then by then it's probably around dinner time. I would hop on the monorail because I love riding the monorail from Epcot over to Magic Kingdom and go eat at the plaza because y'all know I love the plaza. And I'd have to get my Philly cheesesteak sandwich and then my big ice cream afterwards with peanut butter sauce. And then I'd close down Magic Kingdom and it would be staying open late because there would be extra magic hours. So it'd be open till like one and I would make sure and hit Haunted Mansion, Splash Mountain, Jungle Cruise. I'd do those and I'd probably do them more than once. That is a very full day. It is. I'm getting kind of three parks because to me, Animal Kingdom Lodge is almost like a park. But yeah, that's my day. Although it started late. So, you know, but it's going to end late too. All right, Adam, how about you? I want to be waking up at Polly or Grand Floridian because I want to take a monorail over to Magic Kingdom. I know, and at Contemporary, it's not as exciting because it's a walkover and it's like you go through a parking lot. I don't want to deal with that. Magic Kingdom early. I want to be there like at rope drop. This way I can do a lot of things with uh, lower crowds. Then um, I want to go to have a cinnamon roll at Gaston's Tavern for breakfast. That's like a 10 o'clock cinnamon roll. Okay, wait. I've never had one of those. Is it really that yummy or is it just the fact that it's like a Gaston's cinnamon roll? <laughs> I think it's good. Uh, it's huge. It's, I mean, it's a lot. It's probably like $7, but it's very big. I mean, it's certainly good for sharing. I don't need to share it, but it's worth it for, you know, like the three of you guys could split one, all three of you together. And I found out that you can ask for an extra cup of icing and so you can add more if you want. I like it. I like the setting eating inside there. I wish they had more outdoor tables, although I wonder if they have more now. Because of they want distancing and such. I don't. I don't know. I haven't really seen much footage from there. But um, and now let me ask you a question about your breakfast. Who be able to eat cinnamon roll in front of a cinnamon tree? What the heck is a cinnamon tree? That's where <laughs> cinnamon comes from. Does it come on a tree? Cinnamon comes from the inner layer of bark from uh, some evergreen trees in the cinnamomum uh, genus. Hmm. Do they have them there at in Fantasyland? It, it doesn't matter. They're, they generally come from Indonesia oh, uh, I, and oh, Vietnam. You're, you're, I, I know. I, I'm, okay, I see, see I'm, I'm referring back to Rachel. <laughs> well, but I'm like, are you making all this up or do you really just know all this in your head about cinnamon? I do research while we talk. Okay. I'm, I'm well, the uh, assistant vice president of the Cinnamon Fan Club of uh, Northern New England. <laughs> there you go. So, but... but Back to the cinnamon roll. Do they serve the cinnamon rolls all day long or just for breakfast? Uh, no, it's all day long, I think, because they don't have much okay. other food there. I think they do. I've never been to Gaston. They don't have much. Here's here's my deal, and I've said this on another show. It's really well-themed inside. It's Gaston's Tavern has a great scene from the movie. It's unfortunate that it doesn't serve a lot of food. I feel like that was like a miss. They could have thrown in a lot more stuff in that and maybe made it bigger because there's not a lot of tables in there and had more options like especially like meat on a stick or something something that Gaston would eat or like 20 dozen eggs but uh they didn't do that I don't know why they didn't do that I could add turkey legs over there huh or something like that see I think they had pork shanks when they first started but they pulled them out 
I'm looking at their menu now. It, cinnamon roll, I believe, is served all day because they do not have a separate breakfast, lunch, and dinner menu. They just have a snack menu. And uh, cinnamon roll, and then they have gray stuff cupcake. Oh, and, you can get the gray stuff cupcake there? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a new change because you well, can only get that inside the to, castle. Yeah. You used to could, and people would just make reservations just to go in to have the cupcake and wouldn't spend any th- money on anything else, and it used to cause all these problems. So now, oh, you can get it at Gaston's. I did not know that. Well, that's interesting. I think that I think that is a Corona um, newbie, to, oh. uh, so that they I, maybe they add another thing. I'm pretty sure, listeners, you can let us know, I'm pretty sure they had a pork shank that you could eat similar to a turkey leg at Gaston's, and at some they point they got did, rid of it. They did have a pork shank, pork shank there uh, from when they opened in 2012 until 2015. Yeah, so I guess people weren't excited. That's like a that's an odd snack in a theme park, a leg of pork. Well, <laughs> what is a pork shank? I mean, is it a leg? No, it's not a leg, is it? It's not a pig leg. All I know is it's meat on a bone that was supposed to be eaten similarly to a turkey leg. Well, I'm disturbed by this. Okay. I mean, go on, Adam. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so I want that. I want the cinnamon roll. I want to hit up as many Magic Kingdom attractions as I can. Then, you know, in the afternoon-ish, go to Monorail over to Epcot and do, you know, the late afternoon, evening at World Showcase. And uh, any dinner at, like, Via Napoli or Spice Road is good. Or even just, if it's a festival, just snack on some food booth items. And then monorail back to, oh, hopefully Illuminations is playing, wouldn't that be nice? And then monorail back to uh, my hotel. Which is? Which is the Poly or the Grand Floridian, depending upon my mood. I think if it's colder, if it's a colder, it's not that there's cold times, but if it's like Christmas time, I want to be at the Grand Floridian because that's more of a cozier hotel if it's summertime and more hot i want to be at the polynesian because then i feel like i'm really in the south pacific all right i guess we'll finish up with me on this question and uh, me i would be up at 5 30 start a nice walk walk probably for about an hour and a half two hours go back to the room shower get cheryl and the girls hit uh, hollywood studios for rope drop so i can finally ride rise of the resistance uh, i get in boarding group three which i think is uh, early enough in the day Ride it, love it, hopefully. Uh, get a Mickey bar on the way out. Park hop over to the Magic Kingdom. Ride Haunted Mansion, Splash Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain. Uh, I really like that little corner of the park there. Go visit the Country Bears. And then uh, yeah, maybe head over to uh, Animal Kingdom. Check out Festival of the Lion King. Uh, ride Dinosaur. Jump on uh, Flight of Passage. And then end the day at Epcot, hopefully with some type of evening spectacular. You know, I, I, I'd love to see anything over there at this point in, in the COVID uh, crisis. And uh, then head back to the room. And, and that would be a pretty full day. So I'm fascinated by the fact that both of you guys chose to end your day at Epcot. Like, you ended it with their nighttime celebration or whatever. I, I just... I don't know. I just assumed everybody likes to end it with the fireworks at Magic Kingdom. I think that Epcot lends itself by the design and utilizing the, you know, the the lagoon there for the the nighttime show is there's just really kind of no bad seat in the house. You know, it's like theater in the round. 
you know, you're looking at it from 360 degrees, whereas the fireworks, you know, I don't like to get there early. You know, I'm not staking out a spot. Um, no matter where I stand, I usually end up with that, you know, with the dad who's got a, you know, 14 year old kid on his shoulders. Uh, or and a big kicking, iPad and the kids were right, holding an iPad. <laughs> right. Recording it through an iPad and giving commentary while he's doing it. And then there's always the walk out. You know, it's it's just everybody kind of crowds into the hub, whereas Epcot, everybody is spread out around the park. And I think that as much as I love the fireworks at the Magic Kingdom, I love the castle projections. Sometimes I actually enjoy watching that better, like when, you know, when the Disney Parks blog broadcasts it, because it's, you know, you see everything. You know, I usually end up over uh, by the bridge at Frontierland. And, you know, there's, there's just, unless you're dead center in the Magic Kingdom, you know, that show is just designed to be seen like over the castle. Uh, and, and, you know, once again, it just goes back to Epcot kind of being a circle. And that show is designed with everybody looking at it from all sorts of angles. They don't design the, the fireworks, you know, in the Magic Kingdom to be designed for somebody standing over by, you know, Tomorrowland to be watching it. That's just not where the, the, the angles are set up. So here's another question and analysis. I, I like Magic Kingdom just because it stays open really late, almost more than, I, I mean, I love the fireworks, I love the song, but I like it because it stays open late, where Epcot closes at like, what, 9.30 and then you're done? But I am not an early morning person. Do y'all ever, if they have extra magic hours at Magic Kingdom till one or two, do you all ever take advantage of that, or am I the only one that does? Oh, heck yeah. I only sleep about four or five hours a night, so even do if you the, really? Yeah, even if Epcot closes at, you know, 9, 9.30, I'm headed to Disney Springs until 11 or midnight. There have been many nights where I've dropped Cheryl and the girls off at the room and either gone to a park that's open late because I've got a hopper, uh, or I go to Disney Springs and just walk around and shop and eat Mickey bars. It's true, because to the time we were there together, you we all went back to our, we were both at Port Orleans French Quarter, and we went back to hotel room. And then I was in my pajamas in my bed and I was texting Tony. I was like, Tony, what are you doing? And he was like in Dizzy Springs, like, and you don't even drink too. So you, I don't know where you're, but I was like, ah, oh. I'm like, I already brushed my teeth. I'm in my bed. I don't want to get out of here. <laughs> I'm like, is it worth it for me to get up? And then I think I like attempted to. And by the time I figured it out, you guys were done. So it was, it was... yes, Tony stays out late. I think I have done. One o'clock. I I'm pretty sure I have, and I would if they were available, late extra magic hours. Especially if I'm on a monorail, going back to a hotel, I don't have to worry about a bus, or walking back to a parking lot and driving because that's like really late and exhausting. I think uh, Magic Kingdom for night or uh, Epcot for dinner has a way more options, and and I'm a big fan of you know sitting down and eating at dinner. And there's so many more spots at Epcot to watch the nighttime spectacular that hopefully is really good not epcot forever that wasn't that good but um if they have a good one it's great because there's so many spaces and you don't need to stake out a time in advance and you could just kind of stand wherever you are and look whereas like you said magic kingdom you need to get a good spot otherwise you miss half of what the heck's going on and and it's really packed in that magic kingdom and that walk out of there is like um you know it's like a cattle walk it's 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 a lot if you're going on a ferry boat or going across the river, it's even, like, worse. 
I mean, and in theory, you would be unless if you were walking to your resort. You got to take something. So that's why I would want to be at Epcot. It just seems like he said more spread out, and there's more people going different places. I hope that answers your question. Mine or the listeners? Your question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and the listeners' question because at this rate, if it takes us 20 minutes to get through one question, we have nine questions. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, I'd like I'd like all of the listeners to buckle up. We're going to be in this for the long haul. This will be the first three hour and twenty minute long Mouse and More podcast episode. That being said, uh, as I look at our next question from Casey Woolley, if you're not staying on property at either Universal or Disney, what are some good places to stay between the two that offer good rates and good accommodations? I cannot answer that because I have not stayed in a non-Disney property. That is not true. In the past. 21 years, I have stayed off-site once at a non-Disney or non-Universal property. So I am not qualified to answer that. Adam, how about you? I don't know how qualified I am, but I was thinking about this. And Universal's Endless Summer Resort is open, and it is not really on Universal property proper. It's on the other side of, it's on the other side of I-4, so it's not. You're stretching this one. <laughs> well, oh come now, that is still a Universal property. It I is. Think st- Casey was specifically asking non-Universal or Disney well, property. It first of all, it is inexpensive. I mean, like it starts at under a hundred dollars a night, and I don't want to get into socioeconomic stability, but there's a certain like price minimum that I would pay to stay at a hotel in the Orlando area, and if it's a Universal-owned resort. I would still be okay with it. Not that I've ever stayed at one, but everybody loves them. So I would look at that. Like I said, it's on the other side of the four, so it's not in there, so it's not as congested as those other resorts. It's probably easier to get to and from major the major highway, the four there. That's what I would look at. I mean, otherwise, you're looking at, you know, like um, a Rosen or a you know Marriott off, you know, on the International Drive or near there. And I'm sure they're fine, but I don't, I don't know, personally, I've done that or even thought of that. So that's what I would look at in the summer. I, uh, I, I just want you to know that I'm going to issue a yellow card on that response and uh, let you know you're, you're treading on thin ice there, mister. Okay. All right. Rachel, how about you? Have you guys stayed off site? We have. And I have to tell you, I am a big fan of the Marriott Vacation Club options for offsite properties. They have, um, they actually have seven different resorts in the Orlando area. Now, not all of them are just over the top kid friendly if you've got children. However, there are some that are absolutely fantastic. And they have studio rooms, they have one bedrooms, they have two bedrooms, and some have three bedrooms. And often you can get those for $200, $300 a night. We have stayed at Marriott's Harbor Lake before, it's near SeaWorld. So it's not too far from Disney. It's about 10, 15 minute drive. And it was absolutely fantastic. They have a big pirate ship with um, slides that come off of it. They've got pool bars, kids play areas, game areas. And they even brought Gatorland there and put on, you know, brought different animals for the kids to see. So imagine staying at a Disney resort with activity guide. And we had all those amenities as well. You know, that's one that's closed. Marriott Cypress Harbor is also in that same area, which is pretty much, I feel like, halfway in between Universal and Disney World. 
Another thing I would consider looking at is sometimes when the rooms are extremely high at Disney, the swan and the dolphin, you can still even book those through Disney World, but they will be less sometimes than the other deluxes. And you can walk to Epcot or Hollywood Studios. So that's also an option. You know, they are a Marriott-owned property now, and they're building another one right there, aren't they? Yes. They are. Yeah. So, and you have to forgive me. I mean, we, we you know, are do Marriott points, and so I'm big into finding Marriott resorts. I know there are some others, like the Four Seasons is on Disney property, and you get a lot of benefits, but they are not a Disney resort. So is the Waldorf, too. I'm trying to think of those, because I will sometimes have clients that want you know, a bigger place to hold all their family, but they cannot afford to stay in a two-bedroom villa. So we, I often go to the Marriott Vacation Club. Right. And and I think another thing for Casey's answer, you know, if you're looking for, for places between the two, you know, I, I think it depends on your vacation. You know, if, if you plan on doing Disney and Universal, then you probably want a resort that is going to be somewhere along the interstate that is between the two of them. Uh, if you're going to be doing Disney, you want to do something in the Disney area. You know, the the Disney Resort, uh, the Disney Springs Resorts, while they're on property, they are they are owned by a number of chains. Uh, the one resort we stayed in was the Holiday Inn that they opened. God, it's got to be like 2013 now that is in Disney Springs. So that was the one non-Disney owned property that we have stayed in since we started going. And and that was a nice property, you know, walking distance to Disney Springs and same thing like Universal. If you're going to do a trip on Universal, I'm sure there are plenty of non-Universal resorts, you know, in that whole I-4 area over by Endless Summer uh, that Adam could probably get you to. So what do you mean I could get him to? Am I driving him around now? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're Adam Uber. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm writing the app. So the first time I went to Disney, I, I was invited to speak at the Florida Speech Language Hearing Association Conference, which is known as FLASHA, and it was at the Rosin Center Convention Center. So they put me up there. I was a college kid, didn't have much money, and wanted to stay a couple of extra days and visit parks. And I'll never forget, we found a Hampton Inn for $50 a night. And it was right near the Universal. And I'm like, I'd give anything to find a Hampton Inn for $50 a night again. <laughs> right? Yes. And it yeah, was those so were the convenient. Days. You probably could yeah. get it right now, to be honest. You think? Oh, yeah. For $50? You can get an endless summer for 78 Well, yeah, that's right. You did say 78 I mean, that is so cheap. That's unreal. If only all-star music was $50. Right. Or that, 78 you'd... You'd have to go back to about 1998 to get those rates. Wow. So Casey's got another question, which I think might be a whole show in itself. But he asks, as we move into the 50th anniversary and beyond, what would you like to see Disney tackle next in its park? What intellectual property would be a fun land for them to bring in? I don't know. I, I think this might be a whole show in and of itself. I would just like Disney to complete their construction. Uh, because it seems like no matter where I've gone over the past three or four years, there have been an endless series of construction walls around the parks. And, and I know that, you know, constant change is a necessity in the theme park world, but it just seems like everywhere is construction. Uh, Rachel, how about you? Is there anything you would like to see Disney tackle? I would love to see what is it Zootopia they've often talked about coming to Disney, uh, Animal Kingdom. Mm hmm. 
Yeah. I know they're they're um, building they're building a Zootopia section in one of the Asian parks. Yes. Well, you know, I just Animal Kingdom's my favorite park and I feel like Joe Rody does can do no wrong. So if he could develop me a Zootopia, I'd go for it. All right. Adam, how about you? I would want a South American land in Animal Kingdom and if that means they have to replace Dino Land, I guess that's okay. But this way it would be sort of original. The other thing I would want is them to figure out what they're doing with, uh, after after all the construction is over, what they're doing with Star Tours, because I feel like Star Tours really shouldn't be there anymore, especially in Walt Disney World. And I would either, I, what I would do is, I, to make to save on money, I would make it either a Muppets thing, because Muppets uh, Vision is right next to that, or I would make it Indiana Jones things, because Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular is on the other side of that. I would be surprised if Indiana Jones stays that way. Because they do have a new movie, they're supposed to have a new movie coming out in two years, Indiana Jones 5. I would love a real Indiana Jones real attraction. doesn't have to be what Disneyland has, it could be something different. But more than just a stage show that's that shows like backstage of how they do it. I mean, it's great, I just, I don't know, if I, that's kind of like not where the way the park is anymore with the backstage, how they make movie stuff. And this way you can reuse the Star Tours something because i feel like that's just kind of like doesn't make any sense why that's there so i would like a little bit of cohesiveness with that and if they made that a muppets i mean you know guys know me i love muppets so if they made that some kind of like muppet attraction that you know goes through something and they kind of bring it all together with grand avenue and it, it's like a muppet area go for it but i would how love them to this? fix that how about if star tours was a really long hallway in the exit that brought you behind Mama Melrose and deposited you into Galaxy's Edge. They should have done that t- two years ago when they were building right? this. And I don't understand. They could have done it, and it would have been a stainless steel tunnel that eventually became, like, run down, and you just enter into Galaxy's Edge. And you could have two ways to get to Galaxy's Edge. You could take a portal, or you could take the spaceship, and they could have done a really cool job with that. I agree a thousand percent. It's unfortunate they didn't do that, but they didn't do that. I don't know. I, I think they should have done that, but whatever. All right. And I think when you mentioned uh, removing Dino Land, thinking she's in school, uh, Rachel's hand shot up like like there was uh, a fire going on. So I think she has something to say about that. I do. It, it, you got to forgive me. Um, my One of my most favorite mov- memories on Facebook popped up this week. And it's of Parker as, a, I think he was three, dancing in Dino Land. And it made me think this week about uh, when it popped up again, he just all of a sudden started dancing on a broken down Jeep. And I thought, you know, this is why this land is here. You know, y'all talk about protesting if something gets torn down. I know Dino Land is kind of an eyesore. But for little boys or girls who love dinosaurs, that area is created for them. And I cannot tell you how many of my families travel and they take their little kids in that area and their kids do not want to leave the little boneyard where you can go dig and you play on the slides and they love, you know, all just walking around and the big skeleton. And so I protest you tearing down Dinoland and I will defend it. You're going to chain yourself to the, to the, one of the bones uh, structures there. 
this and I never thought I would, but I'm like, that's my memory and don't take it away. And it's so, did y'all see the video? I shared it on Facebook and I'll put it on, I'll try to put it on the group, but it's this terrible song about hot lava or something. And he's just got his little ear, his goofy hat on and he's just dance party for one in Dino land. And I'm like, that's why we need to keep that land. So there you go. All right. Duly noted. Our next question comes to us from Doug Stevenson, who asked, you can ride any two Disney or Universal attractions anytime for the rest of your days, but you cannot ride one of your favorites ever again. Which ones do you keep or take away? Adam, how do you feel about this question? I had a hard time, but then I realized I could. there's a workaround this. So my favorite is Peter Pan. So you can take Peter Pan away. Why? Because there's a Peter Pan out in California. So that answers that question. And then the two that I would ride, I could have access to all day, Kilimanjaro Safari, because it changes all the time, and Spaceship Earth. Because there's so many things to see in Spaceship Earth that you just don't really even notice because you're like focused on the one central point of whatever you know time period you're in. Okay. I just really can't wrap my brain around this question. Ask it to me one more time. Okay. Let me. I'll, I'll rephrase it for you here because we, we talked about Thank this a little you. earlier. Your three favorite Disney or Universal attractions, you're keeping two that you can ride whenever you want, and you're getting rid of one that you can never ride again. Okay. My three favorites are the Safari, Haunted Mansion, and Jungle Cruise. And there is a theme going on there. There is a linkage there. I just thought about that, but they're my three favorites. Didn't the same guy do Haunted Mansion that did Jungle Cruise? No. Did he? Uh, It's the same time frame. Okay. Not really. I would not really. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe it was Pirates. Al Davis or something like that. I can't Mark remember. Mark Davis. Mark Davis. There you go. Didn't he do Pirates? Yes. All right, but I'm going to go Jungle Cruise and those. And so I Jungle Cruise is the one I would not ride again. The one I would ride over and over and over again would be the Safari. All right. Because it that changes so- every time you ride it. All right, that sounds good. Uh, for me, I'm getting rid of uh, Splash Mountain. Because I kind of think, like Adam said, I can ride Splash Mountain in California. Because I'm going to get rid of the Orlando version. And the two rides I'm going to ride all of the time are uh, the Haunted Mansion. Because uh, I, I love the Haunted Mansion. And uh, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. I just that, That's probably my favorite roller coaster. Even though if you ask Cheryl, she will tell you that I ride it with my eyes closed, holding onto the bar for dear life every time. Aww. So why is that your favorite? You ride with your eyes closed. Well, first off, I ride almost everything with my eyes closed. Second off, uh, it is the first roller coaster that we did as a family, so it's got a little sentimental value. But I, I really like the theming, and it, it, it's probably the first, you know, big boy roller coaster I went on as an adult that I enjoyed. That's my answer, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, All right, Nikki. I'm going to just real quick, Big Thunder was my, I'm 98% sure Big Thunder was my first roller coaster because I was always a scaredy cat growing up. And we we would go to the Jersey Shore at Wildwood Boardwalk all the time uh, because my grandparents lived there. And the boardwalk has, um, has roller coasters, but I never wanted to do them. And no, because because roller coasters like that are managed by hippies. Wildwood, uh, Wildwood, they're Russian hippies, but um, <laughs> because they one get a lot, step up from carnies. <laughs> they get people from overseas, but um, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's fine, but 
No, Wildwood is is not. It's all permanent stuff. It's not like it's a you know carnival that comes into town and then leaves. But I just never. They they have a bunch of loops and everything, and they're like they're they're insane how they are. And and the way that they're built is you are underneath them on the pier as you walk through the boardwalk. So you are right there next to it, and you hear the screams. And for as an eight year old, it's intimidating. So especially an eight year old like me. So anyway, I I'm pretty sure Big Thunder was my first because it doesn't even doesn't really like even look like a roller coaster from far away. It's just like a mountain range. So and I remember my parents saying, "No, it's gonna be fine. You'll like it," because they had gone on it when you know they went 20 years before. So whatever it was. Right. So. All right. So Nikki Court is going to take us out of our Walt Disney World element for a little bit and asks, "What would your ideal destination for an adventure by Disney trip be?" And I will go to uh, Rachel for that one. Well, my ideal one would be, oh, golly, I don't know if I can give you an answer because I've never been on one. And right now, I would just love to get to go on the Yellowstone one. But yes, so I pass. I'm sorry, I pass. I do not know. All right, you can pass. Adam, you're up next. There's two, but one is really more important than the other. So there is a Japan extension that you can add to the Japan adventure trip, and that goes through Tokyo Disneyland. And the cool thing about it is it gives you a bunch of fast passes to use, and it gives you, uh, it, it includes like the hotel and everything and the transfers. So that would be re- that would be a really cool way to do Tokyo Disneyland and Tokyo Disney Sea for the first time because there's a ton of stuff in those two parks. And they get crowded. There's a t- it's very easy to get to for people living in Japan because they have all those you know, high-speed rails and everything, and Tokyo's a big city in itself. So, I mean, it's my understanding that those parks are filled constantly. So you would want anything you can, any advantage you can get, and why not through Adventures by Disney? But that one is okay, but you could still do that sort of on your own, and that's fine. But the one I really would want to do, and I would be willing to probably pay for, well, I'd have to pay for it. The Vietnam, Laos, 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 and Cambodia trip. Laos. Laos. Uh, it is 12 days. It goes to 16 different places. I think it's pretty inexpensive for what you do. It starts at $6,300 per adult, which for 12 days, I mean, that's $500 a day. That's not terrible to go to Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia. And the big thing that I really have always wanted to see in Cambodia is the, I'm going to butch this uh, pronunciation, Angkor Wat, which is the old uh, temples. They're like thousands of years old. And they like, they kind of, they don't really look like pyramids, but they kind of, they're like, you know, rundown ruins. And I'd love to see those. And I feel like if you're going to pay the, because Adventures by Disney is probably a little bit more expensive than if you went through a different tour system and it's certainly more money than just doing it on your own but if you wanted to pay for that disney experience and disney um service that's where i would want to go because that's vietnam cambodia laos is i don't know what they speak there i don't know what they eat there i don't even know how to get there so i would want somebody to take care of that for me so that's what i would do okay so i misunderstood this question so I would like a second try at this. <laughs> I don't know. That's up to Tony. All right. Uh, I, I will allow it. Well, because I thought we were supposed to come up with an ideal one. Like, 
fantasize and create one instead of select one that's already an option. Does that make sense? It does, uh, but like for me, I, I would they took care of the fantasizing, so I'm good. Okay, so my ideal trip, it's going to be between three. I would love to do New Zealand, Australia, or China. One of those three. Like ideal. Like if I had all the money and I could do any of them, it would be one of those three. Well, if, if you've got all the if you've got all the money, then why don't you just line them all up so that you do uh, you know you're going to be out that way. So just bang out China, New Zealand, and Australia all at uh, in you know in sequence. There you go. Well, that is my yes. Then then I will do that. I because mean, I, I can only dream of going there in New Zealand. Ever since I saw Lord of the Rings. That has been like what I imagine my heaven to be. <laughs> like I want to go there and walk through those mountains. So didn't y'all? I mean, were, y'all saw Lord of the Rings, right? Yes. Were you not just mesmerized by the scenery? It was. It was. It was astounding, but uh, uh, you know, no, it's a movie. It was amazing. No, but they filmed that there in New Zealand and those mountains and just this greenery and it's gorgeous. Okay. Anyway, there we go. All right. So like Rachel, I had the same idea. I didn't know if I was supposed to pick a new location for a, an adventures by Disney trip or if, or if Nikki wanted to know what my ideal current existing adventures by Disney trip would be. So I have one of each existing trips. I would like to do anything in Italy that involves the Sistine chapel tour. uh, Because Disney adventures by Disney does take their guests in after hours and from what I've heard, the Adventures by Disney group is allowed to take photographs while they're in there, as opposed to other times uh, when regular tourists are in there, no pictures are allowed. Really? Uh, so I would, I would like to do that. Yes. I didn't know uh, that. And if well, I were going... So wait, wait, yes. wait. So how do... So all of these people with pictures, like, weren't supposed to take them? I believe they are not allowed. Wow. And if I had to pick something for an Adventures by Disney trip, I would do a Polynesian island adventures by Disney and just hit a bunch of islands in Polynesia. A question, not to drag this out. Do you feel like, what would you want to do on these Polynesian islands? Because when I think of that, I love to go to those islands, but when I think of them, you're just sitting on a beach. Is there, is there other things you want to do? Well, I think the, one of the benefits of doing an adventures by Disney tour is they get into the culture and Polynesian culture is extremely interesting. There are lots of influences from, uh, you know, Spanish explorers and French explorers that, that, that came through the area and how they have integrated some of the French and Spanish influences into the island culture. And I know that because when I lived on Guam as a child, the Chamoran culture uh, was very heavily influenced by the Spaniards when they visited. So it's kind of just this amalgamation of two or more cultures coming together and i just i really enjoy island culture island living you know whether it's learning how to fish in a dugout canoe how they farm on you know soil that's made from lava you know cultural dances and ritual dances that they do and that stuff all just interests me so i I think that's where the adventures by disney aspect comes in uh to polynesia does that make sense no it does it does okay i never even I didn't think of that. Like, when I think of Polynesia, I just think of laying on the beach. All right. But that's good good to know. All right, so kind of staying out there in the Pacific Ocean, Desiree Knight asks us, what do you think of Alani's phased opening will look like? 
what activities or amenities might not be open in November? Is it still worth the trip? I don't mind starting this off. I think anytime you can get the opportunity to go to Hawaii, it's never you know, a bad option. Now, would I go to Alani and pay Disney dollars to go to Hawaii? You know, I, I think it does depend what services and amenities are going to be available that Disney has not yet announced that. But I would not doubt that spa services are not op- are not available when the park reopens. I have a list. Um, oh, you do? I do. It's on their site. It is. The spa is closed or will be right. closed. Auntie's Beach House, which is the kids club, will be closed. The fitness center will be closed. Instructor-led fitness classes will be closed. Not that people are looking to do fitness while on vacation. I mean, let's be honest. I'm a, I'm a restaurant, which is one of the is one of their big restaurants. That's I think it's a buffet. I'm not 100 percent on that or some type of buffet. Um, what did you say? Ama ama. Ama ama. Yeah. No, that's the one that overlooks the ocean. Oh, so that's the pretty one. Yeah. That one's not open. There's a bunch of other private dining isn't open, so no room service. You got to keep your face covering on, which is understandable. And uh, no character meals. If you can get a good discount and you got like a view of the ocean, maybe. But if you're looking for like a full resort experience, unfortunately, you're not going to get it. There's a lot of things that are missing. So it's very important. I always recommend you use a travel agent so you understand where those rooms are located. Because there are very, if you are going to Hawaii wanting a view of the ocean, there are very few rooms there that actually look at the ocean. They might say you can see the ocean from the side, but if you're wanting to sit there and look straight out at the ocean, there are, like I said, very, very few that do that. Because the building is shaped like a U. And so only the, you know, the long ends of the U point towards the ocean. So you're just getting the rooms on the side there that look directly at it. When I go to Alani, I've never been. But in my mind, when I go there, I want to have my breakfast on my patio overlooking the ocean. And right now, you can't have that. So I guess you really got to figure out what it is. And I I would bet, I'm not saying this as a professional, I would just bet that there are other Hawaii resorts that are open with more amenities. Because they probably, I don't want to say they don't care as much, but they probably are willing to do those things. So if you want to do those things, you know, have you and your travel agent can figure that out because I'm sure tourism is not great right now in Hawaii. So I'm sure there's, there's a lot of options for what you're looking for. All right. Thanks, Adam. I I don't think I have any input for it. And I I think that pretty much covers uh, Desiree's question. I, I would agree with Adam. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it would be worth paying Disney money at this time to go to Alani. So our next question, questions come from Autumn Bailey, who says, what do you think of the Riviera Tower Studios? Would you stay there? And I believe Adam had a very, very strong opinion on this. Riviera is the new DVC resort on the Skyliner. They have tower studio rooms, which are different than regular studio rooms. The difference is this does not have a fixed bed. It's a Murphy-style bed in the wall. And there's a couch in front of where the bed pulls down. So when you get in there, there's just a couch. And then you pull down the bed that covers up the couch. So then you have the bed. So you can't have both. And we've talked about this many times. The rooms are kind of like triangular shaped. They're really only for two people. So if you're two people, you can certainly try them. 
normally they start at $377 per night and go up to over 600 which is a lot for a room that doesn't even have a bed that's fixed. It comes out of the wall. If you can get a discount on that room, which I think you should be able to, right, by now? I don't know. Go for it if you're two people. I know Autumn has a child, so I don't know. Unless if you're putting the kid in, in a crib, that might work. I, this is not a room for spreading out all, all your things. It's a tiny room. It's like a tiny Manhattan, you know, apartment. Or I guess, in this case, it would be a South Mediterranean apartment? I don't know. Something like right. that. Yeah, I, I think the big thing with these rooms is that they're only 220 square feet, which is 40 square feet smaller than the smallest rooms at any of Disney's value resorts. So you're definitely paying a deluxe price, but you're getting shafted on the uh, shafted on the total space. Beautiful room. It's brand new. I mean, I guess at this point it's almost a year old. But my gosh, like I just have a problem with waking up and then having to fold your bed up if you want to sit on the couch. It just seems very strange to me for spending that much money. It'd be one thing if it was the Pop Century rooms with the Murphy beds, which I think was a really smart idea for for space. But for this, I don't know. All right. Uh, so we'll we'll start off her next question uh, by having Rachel answer. And now that the Skyliner has been open for a while, what is your favorite form of Disney transportation? Bus, boat, monorail, or Skyliner? Sadly, I did not get to ride the Skyliner. So I can only pick between the other ones. And my favorite mode of transportation is boat. All right. Adam? It's monorail. It's always monorail. I agree with you with monorail. The Skyliner is fun. But uh, I think that a couple of the locations, when you come in fast and that Skyliner kind of hits the uh, hits the brakes and the cabin swings forward and then the next cabin is coming right behind you, I always think it's going to hit us, even though I know it's not. So it just kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. So Autumn continues her questions. Wait, I have a question. I'm going to yes. interject. Which monorail do you like better? Do you like taking the Epcot route better and going around the ball, or do you like going around the resort? I like going around uh, the resorts because I know it means I'm headed to the Magic Kingdom. Adam? That is a good question because it's very Epcot-y taking that monorail and you go around and you get to preview everything. Unfortunately, the middle of that is like a construction site, so you're not really seeing much. The Magic Kingdom is great because you get to go through the Contemporary, which is like one of the coolest things ever. And you get to see all the other resorts. I would say the Epcot because it's it's you do get to go inside the park and... Like I said, it's very like it's when I when you think of Epcot and Walt Disney, it's very much like that. All so right. my favorite boat—I got to tell you my favorite boat ride. I love to come back from either Fort Wilderness or Wilderness Lodge on the boat towards Magic Kingdom at night. And when you come around the Contemporary, and all of a sudden you see the train station all lit up with the castle in the background. To me, that's something magical. The fireworks too, sometimes if you're lucky. Yeah. Yes. I can yeah. see that. There's just something peaceful and beautiful about that, except when it's January and freezing cold. Now, that is a little, that's hard. I, I love the boats. To me, you know, if I could be a boat driver at Disney, I'd be happy. Good to know. Autumn's, I think, question number 17 from her. What do you think the future of FastPass Plus looks like? Adam, what are your thoughts? I think it's coming back the way it was, if not even more. With more options to to uh, reserve, and probably you're gonna have to pay to reserve extra ones because they 
released. Uh, we've seen the Ratatouille, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, and they put the signage up, and it has Fast Pass Plus on a sign there. And I feel like if they didn't think that would be a thing, they wouldn't have done that. But they did. And I they've invested all this money into the apps and every in the pre-planning. I think for the the normal guest that comes on their family vacation, them knowing that they have pre-reserved certain rides before they show up is very important because they know they're going to be able to get on them, the big stuff. So I think it's going to be back and eventually, and I think they're going to unfortunately try to monetize it as much as they can. All right, Rachel? I, I think it'll be back. I wish, personally, I wish they would go to the MaxPass system that they have at Disneyland. Um, I would prefer that to FastPass Plus, which that is the the program where you pay a little extra and it lets you book the fast passes on your app as soon as you get into the park. So you don't have to run and get a ticket, but you can book it as soon as you get there. I miss the old ways. I, I, I like not having to be scheduled every day and then making my schedule as I go. So, but I'm afraid it's going to come back the regular way. Yeah. I tend to agree with you. I think the fast pass plus will be back. Although I think it will be supplemented by something, whether it is the debut of MaxPass in Florida or the virtual queue system that they're using, uh, they used over in Asia. They tried to debut it in uh, France last week and it failed. And uh, rumor has it that they're actually going to be going to virtual queues for Smuggler's Run and the Jungle Cruise, which is kind of an odd combination in the very near future. So... Time will tell. I wonder if Jungle Cruise, because that queue is just a lot of switchbacks next to each other, and they maybe don't want people in those switchbacks. And, and they probably can't even, unless if they installed all those um, plexiglass dividers through there, which they might have. I don't know. But I, I could see, I can understand that one. And maybe Smuggles Run, a lot of that queue goes indoors. I don't Maybe this way they could easily do the pre-show better, too. Well, the Smuggler's Run queue, they've recently opened up a backstage area to extend the queue in order to enforce social distancing. So yeah. Yeah, maybe I, that also comes I, into play. I was on an extended queue for that in Disneyland, and you went backstage. That was really that was strange. And that mm-hmm. was, you know, normal. It was a normal day, and they still needed to use that. All right. For Adam, this is specifically for you and anyone else who hasn't had a post-pandemic trip. What are you most excited about for your first trip back? And since it's addressed to you, Adam, we will let you go first. Well, I would say probably walking like in Magic Kingdom with, you know, seeing everybody smiling. And um, this is this is at a point where masks aren't needed. Just hearing the music, seeing everybody happy and the kids with the balloons and being able to go on like Carousel of Progress and my favorites and Tiki Room and Country Bears and Peter Pan. And just like, you know, hearing all the music and people, you know, talking and. All that kind of stuff. I just miss the atmosphere. I miss like people being more happy when you're out and about. Because right now you don't even you can't even see people if they're smiling because you know they're covered up and that's fine. I understand that, but it's just I, I miss that and I miss I miss having and and I miss not having to think about all of this. <laughs> and what better place to not think about all of this than in Disney World? So Rachel, how about you? Well, I currently have a trip planned for the 1st of January, and I don't know what I'm most excited about. I, I, I'll i be honest. I mean, I have a lot of anxiety about it, just how to navigate it all, because it's new. But I'm very, well, 
I will say this during COVID during all this time, my son has finally gotten into star Wars, which he wasn't previously. And so I am very excited to take him to galaxy's edge because he has not seen it where I have. I am excited for him to get to experience some of the star Wars attractions. Now that he understands more of the storyline and appreciates the characters. How old is uh, your son? He will be 10 in December. Ooh, I am not looking forward to having to pay adult prices, though. Let me just say that, by the way. That happens. Remember, he can be nine as long as you want him to. (laughs) (laughs) Because we can live in fantasy land, right? (laughs) That's a fun age. And uh, it's really cool that he's getting into that and the stories and more of it. and, And in this way, like you said, he can appreciate the Galaxy's Edge and all that stuff a little bit more than just, you know... Like that there's more story into it as opposed to just like what you see on the surface. So I think that's really cool. That's nice. Yeah. Well, so now he'll know what blue milk is instead of just, you know, you know, there, I mean, there's more and he really has gone deep into them. Not only watched the movies over and over, which I've been fascinated because his favorites are the three most recent where I haven't appreciated those. He has loved them, and his favorite of the three is The Last Jedi, which that was my least favorite of the three. So that's been interesting to me to see what appeals to this much younger generation than it did myself. So for Halloween, he's a Praetorian guard. I'm not saying that right. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? The red soldier? How do you say that? Praetorian. Praetorian. I call it a red dress because that's (laughs) what it looks like. We're having to go get some spandex and things and he's got the weird mask but you know he's really into it and has watched all the new lego cartoons and everything and i just it's made this star wars mama happy all right well then you definitely want to get him into the uh star wars high republic series when it starts early next year that is going to be the new star wars universe that takes place about 300 years before episode one uh the only jedi that we're all going to know is yoda because he will be a young uh, five or six hundred years old in this uh, series. But it's about when the Jedis are at their peak. Oh, so will it have that the one girl with the headpiece Osaka or something like that? No, because she's relatively young. Oh, okay. Because Parker really enjoys Ahsoka her. Tano. Has he watched the Clone Wars animated series? Yes, we've watched Clone Wars and then whatever the new Lego is with there's a Jedi I've never heard of in it. And okay. I don't know what that one is. Tony, do you know what that is? Uh, that would be a Jedi Lord cash grab. Uh, where they where they try to make extra money from creating new Jedis. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it has worked. <laughs> and we have, we have assembled, I cannot tell you how many Lego sets <laughs> this um, school year. Well, Parker goes to actual school two days a week. And then we're doing, it's called hybrid. So two days a week he's in school and three days a week he's at home. And some of the time when we have hit a block, a roadblock, and I've needed him to really work a lot harder than he was, I have bribed a little bit with some Legos. And let me tell you, we have we have worked a lot of Star Wars Lego sets. He's nice. wanting the, oh, there's a huge TIE fighter at Target. And he's wanting that for Christmas. But it's a whole lot of pieces. And I'm just, I don't know if he's ready. Do y'all think a nine-year-old or 10-year-old can handle those big ones? Sure. Really? Oh, yeah. I okay. think Legos like that, you know, it, instructions are all, you know, pretty good. I think I, it's great for fine motor, developing fine motor skills and 
patience. Teaching him to yeah, focus. focus. Exactly. I think that's great. Not to change the subject, but we all love Disney+. Plus. And Rachel, I don't know if you were aware, but November 17th on Disney+, Plus, they are premiering the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special. It's brand new. No, I did not yes, know Yes, it's going to be oh, brand no. new Lego Star Wars. And I guess it is... The sort of similar to the holiday special from 1978. I'm not sure how it's going to be together because they're going to have the new characters in it too. Live motion of the Lego figures. I I can't wait. November 17th cannot come fast enough. We I will have to add that to the calendar as well as the new Mandalorian series. When does that come out, Tony? Uh, that would be October 30th. All right. Mischief night. I will not be toilet papering anyone's trees this year because I will be watching. But let us let us get back on track as we've strayed off a bit. And we have one last question from Autumn. And that is, what has been your favorite Disney trip? No rules for this question. Just when you think back on all of your trip, which one stands out? And I will go to Rachel. That's got to be 2014, October 2014. And, and maybe I'm just saying that because my Facebook is full of the memories from that week. And they keep popping up right now. But it was actually our third trip with Parker. But it was the first one he was really comfortable and secure with all the sensory things going on. And felt confident enough, I guess, to explore. And we went with some friends as well who had one son. And we dressed up as, they dressed up as Buzz, Jesse, and um, Woody. And I was, oh, the little girl from Jake and the Neverland Pirates, Izzy. And my son was Jake and my husband was Cubby and we all went to Ohana and that was my first time to have Ohana dinner. And we went in our costumes and then we went to the Halloween party and just seeing those little four-year-old boys faces light up and taking all the pictures and the laughter. Sorry. Okay. Now you got me. I'm starting to cry. I just, it was a precious age. It was a precious time and filled with so much innocence. Yeah, that's mine. And we stayed at Animal Kingdom Lodge. Sorry. We stayed at Animal Kingdom Lodge for the first time. I had always wanted to do that. So that was my first time to stay there. And then at the end of the trip, Parker loved Cars and Lightning McQueen from the time he was one. And so we checked out and went and stayed three nights at Art of Animation. And that was the only time Chris has ever booked my trip. She booked those three nights for me. We moved over to a car suite. And that just was icing on the cake. So... Anyway, that's it. Excellent. I will go next because uh, my most memorable trip is, and I don't know the exact date of it. I, I should know. But it is the first time I went with the kids where they kind of, they knew what was going on. You know, so maybe Isabel was four and Lily was two. You know, I, I think that uh, Rachel made a great point, you know, there's one thing of seeing things for yourself as an adult, as a Disney fan. But I think the coolest part is when you get to see Disney through the eyes of your child and you see the wonder in their eyes. And it really makes you go back and just think about your memories as a child if you were lucky enough to go to Disney World and experience Disney as a kid. So I agree with you there. And it's very sentimental. But, you know, when you mention uh, Halloween costumes, it makes me think that uh, the first Halloween party at Disney that Adam attended, he went as the sexy nurse. That's a, that's a little known fact. <laughs> no, he did. that's not true. I think if any, 
if if this were recorded, um, Rachel's look there was just uh, priceless because I don't think she knows what to make of us. Except she's muted now, so now it's just like a bad movie. I thought you were going to say JFK, and then you come out with a sexy nurse, and I, I just I don't even know. Adam, sexy nurse, <laughs> white heels, fishnet stockings, it, it amazing. Did he you has, really, Adam? He has a set of legs on him. Did you really dress no. up like a nurse? <laughs> oh, I just, I'm so gullible. I just, I'm oh, okay. I just could not it's wrap late. my brain around it's that late. one. Tony, Tony's. All right, so um, Nurse Adam, <laughs> what, uh, what is your favorite Disney uh, trip? This is very hard because every trip has its own special thing, and I've been blessed to have gone a lot in my life, and uh, which makes this year very hard because it's been a long time <laughs> this is not any higher or lower than anything i just you know it just comes to my mind is i guess halloween is coming up soon and like i said on the show before i never celebrated halloween as as a kid or even now as an adult so the halloween trip two years ago i think it was already was yeah it was two years my first time dressing up and yes it was jfk i was not a nurse I have not been able to meet Rachel yet, but I can't wait whenever that happens. But I have met Tony and his family. We got to see each other, and the next day we did get to ride one ride together, Grand Fiesta Tour. Although I think we all rode Pirates together too, didn't we? Were you on that boat with us? I was not. So it was only the one ride. But uh, that was really fun. And, you know, doing the party, I'd never done a party before, and... It was just a different experience, and for me, the best thing about all of that is seeing everybody else's costume, because my costume was easy. I was just, I looked like myself, basically. I just kind of styled my hair differently, and I had a jacket with the presidential seal on it, but seeing every all these other people's, I mean, and even Tony. Tony's was Russell, and these kids were, I don't know, I don't know. Lilo yeah, and Stitch. Oh, well. Oh, that's right. They weren't. And Sh- and Cheryl was Cheryl Kevin. Cheryl was Kevin, but the kids didn't go with you guys. They went with their own thing. So that's fine. But you guys right. homemade your own costumes, which is really cool. So I love seeing the homemade, the it's and the even the the people that do the old style Disney costumes, like they'll dress up as like those old 1980 Epcot um, space suits that Mickey Mouse wore. I'll put this in um, when I post the show. I'll put that picture that I'm talking about. Because that's a really that's like a deep dive. Like not many people have seen that. People do that all the time for these for these things. They'll dress up as you know Tony Baxter with his with his mustache and um, hard hat on, and they'll dress up as you know Figment, and it's just really cool to see all that. So that one, especially since Halloween is next week, that one really kind of in my head right now stands out. That was uh, that was a memorable trip. So our last question, I think, is is pretty relevant in in these times, and it's from Brian Lindemuth, who asks, my million-dollar question is, is it really worth going to Walt Disney World and staying on property right now? It seems like I would be paying full price for something that is not a full-price product. Am I missing something? I think I'm the only person who's been on property uh, on the show right now that uh, between the three of us. Uh, So I will tell you that being on site was... I know it was very therapeutic Were the rooms discounted, you know, I, I was there on a travel agent discount, so it was slightly less, but it was amazing to be on property to get that Disney feel again. You know, I, that Disney service was there. I think the cast members were appreciative to be there. You know, it, it was kind of like a, we're all in this together thing. It was cathartic. It was good to be there. 
are you getting the the same amenities you did before? You know, there's the, you know, everything's changed in, but in this day and age, it was what I needed. It was what I needed to know that things were going to be okay. And, you know, we'll get through this. We'll get back to normal. It might be a bit of a new normal, but we will get through this. And just to have Disney back and be on property was a step in the right direction. So now I will ask Rachel and Adam, you know, with neither of them having been back on property yet, you know, what are your thoughts if you were going? And I know, Rachel, you have a trip booked for January, but how, Adam, how soon before you are comfortable in going and feeling that you're getting, you know, a value that is comparable to what you're paying for or what you're used to? That's a good question. Um, I I had to ca- I canceled my annual pass because I didn't think I was going to go for a while. That would have taken me through end of January. So right now it doesn't make any financial sense for me to go until after that because I would have I would have had tickets paid for and now I don't have them paid for. So that's number one. Personally for me, I let me preface this by saying I am not anti-mask. I am pro-mask. However, I do not want to go to the parks having to wear a mask because that, like I said before, is a reminder of what is going on. If I'm in, if I'm spending, if I'm going on the plane, if I am getting myself and taking off from work and having to have people take care of my things at work and doing all of that to get there, I do not want to have to think about the craziness of a pandemic. So I will probably be waiting until that is done and I am vaccinated and I am able to not have to worry about getting sick from a airborne disease because I would like that assurance, but I kind of want the assurance visually in a different way than I guess Tony would be. And plus, I think for me, economically, it just, they haven't discounted. I mean, they have discounted hotels. Tickets are still the same price, but I I don't know if I'm getting the full, I don't know. I, I can't say this because I haven't done it yet, but I just feel like I wouldn't be getting the full experience. And if I'm, It'd be different if I dro- if I live closer and I can drive and I didn't have to worry about getting on a plane and taking more time off for all of that. But I think for where I am and how much it's going to take me to get there, I just I'm just going to wait it out. And you know, I, I will one thing I will say after after listening to you, the one thing that that I, I don't want to say I have misgivings about, but that is you know they're charging 110 to 100 and. per day for a ticket and no park, you know, is more than a 10 hour day at this point. So, you know, for somebody like me, who's, who's gone from, you know, extra more extra magic morning hours at 8am and then close the park at 1am, you know, it's a very short time span. And that's the only thing that, that I don't like about it right now, but it is good to be back. And Rachel, how about you? I have to confess, I probably wouldn't be going to Disney, but I have some DVC points that if I don't use them, I lose them. And I tried to rent them out and couldn't. (laughs) And so that's why we have our trip book. I think if I didn't have that, I don't think I'd be going right now. And and I still, I have my reservations, just how we're going to do everything. When when a client contacts me about going, Though, you know, I, I'm straight up with them. You're not getting fireworks, you're not getting characters, and you're not getting parades. So if you're if it's your first time, I don't think it's worth your money to go. Um, however, I say all that to say I had a client who has five boys, and they had, can't, they had booked a cruise, 
had to cancel it, booked another one for November, had to cancel it. And she's like, you know, my kids want to do Disney. They have been asking. We were going to do the cruise. They had their heart set. She's like, Let, I, let's just take them to Disney World because I know I can get there. And she told her boys last night, and they are absolutely thrilled. Now, they don't know really what they're going to be missing either because they haven't been before, you know, and I'm sure they've heard of it, but they are so thrilled to get to go. So, you know, there's that aspect of it. And just uh, for some families who have been trapped for a year and the opportunity to get out and go do something, it can be worth your money, I guess. It's hard to tell anyone what to do in these days except for just to go with your gut, I think. That is very true. Any final words, final thoughts? Great questions. Thank you for sending them in. And I like how we were able to expand on each other's answers to sort of like, you know, get around to thinking of different things. Like, I didn't know anything about that Sistine Chapel thing that you can't take pictures. Well, now you now you know, and knowing is half the battle. So um, I do agree with Adam. I think that we have the best listeners in the world. And uh, as I've always said, without our listeners, we really wouldn't be a show. We'd just be three crazy people talking into a microphone with no one listening. So uh, I'll wrap it up here and, you know, remind everyone that as always, uh, our show is sponsored by Main Street and More Travel. Check out their website, MainStreetMoreTravel.com and let Chris and her team hook your family up with an amazing vacation. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search on the Mouse and More podcast. On behalf of Rachel and Nurse Adam, this is Tony, and we are the Mouse and More podcast. Good night, everyone. Good night.